0: This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn, open year-round. Learn more at bbg.org. This week, Meat in 3 is taking you to market and all over the world, from Newfoundland to Tunisia.
1: Well, a lot of us think of, you know, the British Empire trading things like spices and sugar and silk. But you write that it actually began with, salt cod
0: from Newfoundland. <laughs> there was a port closure in Tunisia, which was horrible. I mean, it was months. Boats just setting on the water, waiting to go, and they couldn't go anywhere. And we'll learn about how markets have changed, whether because of their customers or the climate. A few years ago, something around the 10 years, it was uh, totally different. It almost manifests itself to almost smelling like an old fire pit. When you, mm-hmm. you, you put it out, it has that sort of charcoal-y smell to it. It's not good for wine. Join us this week on Meet and Three for our global market tour. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet and Three wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Hello, this is Dana Cowan and you are listening to a special episode of Speaking Broadly. Today, we're broadcasting a piece of a live podcast that we did at Haven's Kitchen. A bunch of HRN hosts got together and interviewed each other for a really rockin' time. Some of my favorites, Zara Tangora, Bretton Scott, Max and Eli Sussman, Ali Kane. If you want to hear any of those interviews, check out Meetin' 3, which is Heritage's own podcast, and... To hear a little bit about my backstory, what I'm doing now, what I'm thinking about, listen on.
0: Hi, everybody. Um, So this is super exciting because I get to kind of flip the script on Dana. Um, She's the host of Speaking Broadly, but today I get to ask her all the burning questions that I have, and I think a lot of you also have. Um, So obviously Dana was with Food & Wine for 20 years, and then at that point she spent a few years making a lot of transitions and kind of finding some, um, as she put it, buckets to put her passions into. So I wanna talk a little bit about your experience and then also ask a few questions um, of words of advice for others. So let's start with food and wine. And you were there for 20 years. What was kind of the moment where you started to decide that it was maybe time to leave and you were ready to make a change?
1: it was 21 but who's counting um
0: it's so
1: i really the the journey to leave food and wine started like four years before i actually left and i was like i decided i was going to map my way out i was going to write a book and my book was going to be super super successful and when it was successful it was going to change my life and then that was going to be my path and i thought that was really Quite a plan, and the, the book was called "Mashing My Mistakes in the Kitchen" because even though, you know, I'd been at Food and Wine all that time, that just meant I was really, really well-fed, right? I never had to cook for myself. The um, the kitchen was around the corner. I was, had things dropped on my desk eight times a day. I didn't even have to get up to, to eat. Um, and so I just like, I don't know, cook? Like I, I worked late, I went out to, I had kids, they did eat, but I didn't feed them. And, um, and so I was like, oh, this is so good because I can learn to cook and then I can have 65 amazing chefs teach me to cook. Um, And then I fail at so many things. So it's not just that I make mistakes in food, but also finance, huge area of pain for me, um, as is health. So I had this whole series in my head, but that didn't work out. The book was great. Um, I really enjoyed doing it, but it was not my exit as you can tell, because there's no follow-up. So um, for two years after that book, I met with someone like every two weeks. I'm like, I put myself on a schedule. I'm going to meet really interesting people and this is how it went. I love my job at food and wine. I mean, it's so great. But I'm just wondering, like, (laughs) the thing that you do, like, would that be good for me? And so I had a series of these conversations just trying to figure out, like, what type, what area could I go into that was related to um, food and media, but not food and media, because that part was really clear to me. I'd been doing it, I'd been in media literally for 30 years. 30 years? So, um, I was kind of done. Like, I didn't want to reinvent another magazine, I didn't want to create another brand, I didn't want to, there's a lot of didn't want to's. I didn't want to. um, Which, you know, sounds a little petulant after the fact. But in those conversations, there was someone who um, f- at Food and Wine, we had created a restaurant in Aspen um, at the St. Regis, and um, the restaurant was called Chef's Club. And it was a restaurant where the Food and Wine best new chefs would cook. And we it was rotating chefs, rotating menus. And um, I was offered a job working at Chef's Club. And uh, it was like this, I knew that brand because I helped build the brand along with the publisher of Food & Wine who had a huge role in making that um, come to life. And I didn't know the team that well that was going to bring the brand to uh, New York. That was the big draw, like, oh my God, we're gonna do it in New York and then we're gonna conquer the world. I'm like, oh, chefs around the world? Like That sounds like so much fun. For FW <laughs> Scout, for yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, it also, it was like I knew I wanted to get out, and I was like, the, this job, it's like a very small trampoline outside the window, so I knew that as I jumped out of this amazing job that I'd had for such a long time and that I really, really had enjoyed for so much of it, um, there would be something like to bounce off. I wasn't going to like break bones. But I also was aware that on that very small trampoline. They're like shards of glass. Like, it was going to hurt. And in fact, that was a short-lived job.
0: So transitions to begin with are scary and risky. I and didn't, we note-
1: I, no, I mean, to, to, like, I didn't actually find it scary at all. I was really happy. And I was, I was happy to try something new. I was like, so you get some cuts, you like, you know, clean it out. There's alcohol, there's, I mean, for the wounds. There's alcohol. <laughs> And there's, um, you know, you, you wrap it up and you move on. So I didn't actually um, find that scary. What I had found scary for literally 15 years was the idea that I had no idea what else I would do. Like, that job was so much fun. Not knowing what could possibly be next, that was terrifying. And knowing that not knowing was going to hold me back. That was scary. Walking out the door and going, hey, I'm gonna try something. Like, maybe it's gonna work, maybe it's not gonna work. That actually wasn't scary at all.
0: So then in 2017. Sorry. <laughs> in January 2017 is when um, you launched Speaking Broadly with us at HRN. Um, when did you decide a podcast would be something that would be a project of yours, and what about that was appealing?
1: Yeah, um, so I love the format. One of the things about, so, as an editor, you'd think like editors are all writers, but this editor is not a writer. Like I do not consider myself a writer first. So podcasting has the ability to, um, I get to indulge in the stuff I really like to do, which I love asking questions. <laughs> I can't tell that tonight. Um, but I like getting information. Like getting, I like getting to the heart of things and I really like not having to write them down. Um, so podcasting appealed to me for that reason. And I um, was going to lose the ability to have a voice on a large scale, like great thing about food and wine, voice large scale, lots of people get to hear the things you're super excited about. Um, and I didn't wanna lose that opportunity to share the stuff that I was really, really excited about and the um, the people and their stories that I felt like needed to be heard. So that was another thing that was, um, that was super exciting about podcasting. And it was also something that I'd never done since I wanted to do things that I had never done before. So that was super exciting. So that was the trifecta. I mean, I'm sure there's more, but like, there's not that much time. That's good.
0: Well, but yeah, but uh, let's talk a little bit more about the show specifically. I mean, you, it is a very different format. You're spending 45 minutes roughly with with someone and you're letting them tell their story in a more, you know, in-depth way. What about When you're doing a show and you're interviewing someone, what about that conversation um, makes you interested in, is why are you passionate about that? Um, Well, the thing with editorial, I don't know if anyone,
1: I mean, there's two sides to editorial today, right? Some things are super, super short, and then there is some really beautiful long form journalism Mm -hmm. being done today that is exceptional. But, um, But the journalism that I was sort of Promoting, participating, in was super short, and people's voices were really cut down to two quotes. And the amazing thing about speaking broadly is to be able to just go, like keep going and keep asking the questions and not edit the people. And so sometimes you know it's not um, it's not the sharpest, it's not the most direct, it's not the fastest. Like the editor in me is like, I just want to cut it out and make this five bullet points and share it with everybody. But it, there's something beautiful about letting. Uh, the story unfold and being able to share the depth of someone's experience, and to get to things that really matter. And what I find with um, radio is it takes a while. You have to let people warm up, warm up to you, warm up to the things that uh, are scary to them before you can ask them the scary questions. And I really like asking the scary questions because then I think you get the more valuable answers. So you need the 45 minutes to be able to get to that point of trust. Um, if at Heritage we edited shows, it would like, you know, be different. You could get to the trust in a different way. But to me, it's, it's a, it's a like a exercise in trust with the, um, of course, the guest, and then with the listener that they want to be giving and supportive. Like I find that the um, the audience for the show is incredibly supportive of the people who've bared their souls and you know cried and you know said stuff that's really hard for them.
0: But podcasting wasn't the only thing that you pursued post Chef's Club. Uh, what were some of the other things that you uh, explored as you were trying to find what were the other things you did want to be doing? Yeah. So
1: I, um, it's like, what do they say? It's like a, a fire hose or. What is Anybody? it? Anybody? It's a, it's like a, um, a Nerf gun, you know, like I did not take the Nerf gun approach. I took the, like the fire hose. So I, um, I've been doing a bunch of consulting and I work a bunch with In, which is a brand that I, I love and uh, I'm working on <clears throat> PR and marketing and working on chef's councils with them. So I still get to uh, work with chefs and, and create partnerships, which is really fun for me because I, I love chefs and um, and speaking broadly if you don't know it's all it's all women so my universe is incredibly f- female the consulting is um, two genders exist which is great uh, and I've done a ton of traveling and speaking and um, lecturing on topics like um, you know empowerment or women in the industry, and so uh, that that part has been really fun, and then working on, um, anyway, I've, I've been working on all these things, and so it is it has felt really scattershot until the subway revelation, I actually, you know, you hear about these things, and you're like, yeah, they're just telling you they had the subway revelation, but I had one, and it's really recent. Um, so I do a lot of coaching of people just It has, it's been part of my life. But now I've created something called the Broadleys and it's all the things that I do broadly. So there's the uh, Speaking Broadly, which is the podcast. And there's Giving Broadly, which is charitable um, with a charitable focus. There's uh, Coaching Broadly. So I was working with The Wing and coaching women one-on-one and then did a live performance of coaching and it's just this weird thing that I love. I can tell people, like, if you give me an hour and a half, I can tell you what you should do next with your life. An hour and a half. Half an hour, I'm pretty good. An hour and a half, you're done. You don't need to talk to anybody else. And, you know, people will say, like, that's five therapy sessions in one and now... Because therapists don't tell you what to do. I'm really happy to tell you what to do. <laughs> um, you know, which, which comes from a lifetime of enjoying telling people what to do. So... Um, Coaching, giving, scouting, because I you know, I love to eat and drink and travel, and, um, and cooking. So it's the Broadleys. And it just came to me in the subway because it's all the things that I love to do that all have now united under this, um, this one umbrella. But it took me two years of trying, like trying this, trying that, experimenting, um, saying yes to it. I don't actually believe in saying yes to everything. I think that's actually very stupid. Um, More on that if you're
0: curious. But I did say yes to everything. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back shortly for more insights from Dana Cowan. This episode is brought to you by Brooklyn Botanic Garden, a stunning 52-acre garden in the heart of Brooklyn featuring spectacular plant displays year-round. Make the most of the last days of summer on Thursday, August 22nd at Brooklyn Botanic Gardens Beer and Bocce Benefit, a -a one-of-a-kind garden party featuring lawn games, live music, and unlimited beer tastings by some of Brooklyn's top beer makers. Proceeds from the Beer and Bocce Benefit provide essential support for the garden's educational and community programs. Learn more about Brooklyn Botanic Garden at bbg.org. Welcome back. I'm Kat Johnson, HRN's Communications Director, here with Speaking Broadly host and former Editor-in-Chief of Food & Wine magazine, Dana Cowan. So in the theme of aspiration to action, one of the things we're trying to kind of demystify is this idea that some people have it all figured out and have it figured out from the beginning. You're saying that it took you a while. How, yeah. how can people going through sort of the like searching for answers, how can... How can they feel better about that process, or what? What advice do you have? Yeah, um, it's
1: it's the very hardest thing to do, and but it's trust, right? Like, um, and so I have this pet peeve. I I have started reading a lot of the um, the pop. I guess you call them self-help, empowerment, what to do next books, and I really hate them. And, um, and I was trying to figure out why, and it's because they make it seem really easy, and it's not easy. You know? It's like, so you just enjoy the journey. Like, how are you supposed to enjoy the journey? The journey actually isn't fun. I mean, at the end, it's fun, because you look back, and it's like, you. well, Mount Everest now isn't fun, but it's like you've done your own Everest, and you look back, and it's awesome. But, um, but the thing, if you know at the beginning that... It, Really, truly, it will work out, and you can trust that these the small steps you're taking are going to go somewhere they're not actually a circle of hell into the center of the earth. they're quite the opposite um you know the the steps you take are you leading you somewhere and you don't know exactly where they are and if you stop saying like I need to know where am I going, what's next like what you know where does this lead me and you say. Like, I'm doing the stuff that I love, that I believe in, that I and I, I trust myself that I will get there. Um, you will get there.
0: Should people be afraid to take detours?
1: <laughs> um, I'm not sure that there's such a thing as a detour. I mean, I think that, like, life is an experience, and everything you experience is your road, so there's no detours. I mean, if you decide, if you were, like, a you know, you made marionettes, and then you decided to become a race car driver, that might feel like a detour to you. But on the other hand, if you just ended up fixing cars, like it wasn't a detour at all, like, I don't know. It's a weird analogy. But just to say, I just think like life is one thing, so there are no detours.
0: Love it. Um, what are you excited about next? What are you, what are you hoping to explore next, if anything?
1: Uh, well, I'm really, really excited about the Broadleys, and um, so I'm, I'm excited about. I mean, so when I got to Food and Wine, like my, you know, my favorite thing is that they came to me and they said, "Well, we might cut this magazine to like six issues, you know, because it's not doing so well. We might cut the name Wine off of it because Wine seems to be an impediment on, in newsstand sales. Um, it's the third book in a two-book set because there was um, Gourmet and there's Bon Appetit, which were so much more successful than Food and Wine. and um, But it existed. You know, Food and Wine really existed. It had some amazing bones. The recipes were incredible. The team there was super smart. The test kitchen crew was spectacular. And I had this vision for it, but I also had a team, and I had an enormous company um, behind me, or like a little company with an enormous company, because whatever. Um, But I'm really excited to just see what happens with the Broadleys. Like, there's no company. It's a vision. I have this really big vision. And now what happens? Like, I don't
0: know. I don't know. Well... I think that's a great place to leave
1: it. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Wait, wait. No, I want to. I, I want to end definitively. I don't want to. I don't know. Um, but what I do know. All right. Um, is that the broad? You know, the Broadleys will bring uh, me pleasure to do it, and I think the audience for speaking broadly it brings them pleasure and insight. And I love telling those stories. And the coaching, you know, will help people like change and shape their lives. And the giving will help and shapes the lives of so many people. And um, and so I feel greatest about the notion that the Broadleys has the possibility to change like people's inner lives, not just what they um, eat for lunch or dinner.
0: Well, how can people, if, if they do wanna work with you and that? Sort of career psychic coaching yeah. in way. How how are you finding people to work with?
1: Um, it's a, it's like the nicest thing because I like psychic somebody because I call it career psychic, which anyway. Um, and then they te- send their friends to me, which is like the greatest thing. Like you don't even need like the testimonials because the humans just keep daisy chaining. But yes, um, you can DM me on Speaking Broadly. That's probably the easiest and fastest. Yeah. So um,
0: yeah, amazing. And you can obviously hear Speaking Broadly on Heritage Radio Network, heritageradionetwork.org. It's
1: fun being in the interviewee chair. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. I don't have to prep. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you.